This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 26. In this episode, I talk with the Jerry Farley. That's right, the Jerry Farley. I've known Jerry Farley for about six or seven years. Um, Every summer, he throws these great parties outside at what used to be Peggy O'Neill's on Coney Island, Surf Ave. It's now called Steeplechase Bar. Um, I played there with my band, I'm the Third, at both iterations. Uh, Jerry's a producer, musician, and just a great guy. We had a great conversation about all kinds of things from the creative process to sobriety to just growing and being the best men that we can be. It's funny because I've been playing these shows that he throws every summer for years now, and we've had exchanges online about the shows, and of course we've we've said hi at, at the shows, but this was the first time that we really sat down and had a long conversation. Um, so I had a great time chatting with him. I hope you enjoy the conversation. So without further ado, here is the one and only Jerry Farley. Let's have a conversation. Go ahead and uh, press. Yeah, we're rolling. Oh yeah, it's a good. Oh uh, yeah. So uh, Jerry Farley, man, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Good. Um, I've known you, or I've worked with you now for I guess it's yeah the past six years because every summer wow. you do stuff at Coney Island. Uh, back when we met, it was still Peggy O'Neill's. Now it's Steeplechase. Yeah, Steeplechase Beer Garden. That's crazy. It's six years already. Yeah. Wow. I was looking back. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I think, um, my guitar player at the time met you, like he was hanging out down there and saw one of the shows and introduced himself. Yes. Yes. He was like, he was like, here, there's a card. And I was like, and I went and, um, I went, yeah, on your website and I heard kill the kittens and I was like, okay, yeah, you're in. (laughs) I was like, I I love that, that, that song and the whole premise and everything. I thought it was hilarious. And I was like, yeah. It's funny. Um, you know, the, the band's gone through a couple of iterations. We're going to go to a, through another one right now. I don't know if you noticed, uh, my now keyboard player, she's been in the band for a long time. Yeah. yeah. She was bass originally, uh, with child. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, she has a permanent space in the band if yeah. she wants, and she does want to, but she also honestly doesn't know what's going to happen, nor yeah. do I, nor how your can whole life, you. Your whole life can change. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a full-time job all of a sudden. As, yeah. As so I'm told. I don't have kids yet, but I see, you know, like my godson, his birthday was yesterday. And yeah, it's like, you got to put that first. You know, so yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's funny because Kill the Kittens actually with my current lineup, um, my now bass player, one of his coworkers came to one of the shows one time, and his note was, he was like, yeah, like like you guys, um, but Kill the Kittens, you got to cut that. He was like telling me I got to cut that song out because <laughs> he was saying it doesn't go with kind of the positive branding, and I was sort of like, you know, the whole point. 
yeah. of it is like even if you have a positive brand, it's like I don't believe it if somebody tells me that they're a hundred percent positive. It's all like, the time. You know? can't be, and it's kind of a tongue in cheek type song yeah. too. Yeah, you know, you're not really gonna kill the kittens. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that would be pretty negative and evil. Right. You know, the whole the whole point is kind of like. Uh, I've been done dirty and you know and it sucks yeah you know? <laughs> and I'm angry I'm and I'm angry dark thoughts right and now, I know? don't I don't want anything to do with this I don't want any good past memories it's like you yeah know, it's it's the it's the human psyche you can't you know live in a consistently like you know a bubble of positivity yeah. you know because and you're just kind of you could end up with delusions I feel yeah like, you know delusions yeah. of grandeur well and it's also delusions of grandeur and then also inevitably you know like you go through i I know i go through phases of like ups and downs Mm -hmm. you know there's and sometimes you're not cognizant of what time you're in but sometimes you are kind of cognizant of this time kind of sucks right now or this is kind of a good time um and of course you do everything you can to keep it the good times but inevitably it's life there's going to be loss there's going to be random things that happen um and if you think you're gonna be able to keep it positive and sherry all the time and the delusion i think would be that that would be the case um then what do you do when it's i think sometimes we we try and perpetuate not only like happiness but we try and perpetuate misery too like i was like on the phone and drive over here and just talking with my buddies and i was like dude you why are you manufacturing misery for yourself like you, you know, and that's a, uh, I think that's not only just you know to artists and musicians and and just why people connect to art and music is because they can identify with that and it's like okay, so if you're happy all the time, would you really push to like be cathartic and create something? No, it's like I'm sometimes you know I'm miserable about something and I need to push through it, and sometimes I'll get caught in the misery because it's making me productive. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's, it's, it's kind of a, a strange thing where it's like, oh, you know, if someone writes a really, really deep song about something they're going through, I feel like sometimes people expect that song again. So they try and write that song again. Meanwhile, they're not at that place in their life, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that song is terrific. So <laughs> I completely disagree, but it's all opinion. Yeah. And it comes down to Yeah. It. And that's what it comes down to ultimately. Those are just my biceps. Just, I might have to ask yeah. these guys to pause for a second. This is a new thing happening. We'll we'll see. <sighs> Again, that's what that that's what we're talking about. Like things. You're talking to a punk rock dude. I'm used to this <laughs> stuff like that. Like just I'm, and, and a recording engineer. So yeah. All right. Yeah. Pause this. <laughs> Pick up. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I just demolished them. I went inside and just you was know? like, this ends now. Yep. <laughs> um, I think a good little place to maybe go to, though. So um, so I've known you now for like six years. This is like the first time we actually sat down and had a conversation other yeah, than other like than a quick. the craziness. Yeah. The, yeah, the um, insanity that is doing a show. Yeah. yeah. So how long have you been doing the thing at the stuff at Coney Island. Oh, basically, um, I, I want to say like since the early two thousands, um, because I used to, one of my best friends used to work in the other location for the Peggy O'Neill's 
place. And where's that one? It was in Bay Ridge. Okay. And like, um, so I got to know the owner. I ended up living above that bar back when I was like drinking like a maniac. But, uh, basically, uh, you know, my career has been in, uh, studio production and engineering and, and producing albums, you know, and started off locally and, you know, um, a studio called like Fastlane. So I, I, I really, besides being in bands and being around the scene, like I, I know a lot of unsigned and local bands. So they, at one point, like, you know, approached me and was like, hey, would you want to do a show? And of course me being like, yeah, let's have a party and drink. You know, they would mainly throw me a few dollars and give me drinks and we, you know, I'd get hammered with the bands and everything like that. And, uh, and then... After a while, it just became kind of known. It's funny, my, one of my friends showed up to that show that, that we just recently did, um, and it was his birthday, and I've known him since he's like a teenager. Like, um, He's like, yeah, it's like kind of like you, it's almost become an institution yeah. to do your shows in like South Brooklyn, because they've, they've been around for so long that people just kind of know that they're going to be there, and I've always kind of kept the same scenario to them. I try and keep them free, try and keep them, you know, as all ages as possible, you know what I mean? Like it is, it is a venue that has food and drink, but it's like, you can bring your family, you know what I mean? It's, it's, and I try and give some of the band some sort of pay for their efforts to get there or, you know, for their practice space or whatever. Cause we all, you know, I've not only worked with so many bands, but I've been in enough bands to know that, yeah, exposure, it doesn't pay for what this band cost. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it just started as something like where here you could do a show and then it turned into this outside thing. And then like, we were like, what if we had a stage? And then the stage was like this contraption of different sections that we'd pretty I remember much that. put together. Like, and then I was trying to expand and then like, I pretty much got like what I think is the right kind of formula, the right start time, the right amount of bands and, and, uh, you know, I never backline stuff because one, it's me showing up with a PA and like, then I'd have to bring all the gear to, and then if it rains and then backlining, if like, when you do like seven bands, like if the kick drum skin breaks, show's over, Yeah. You know? So like for me, it's just like, Hey, show up with your sound, with your stuff and let's play outside and let's make a day of it, you know? And it's honestly, the strange thing is it's my days off. Yeah, from like being in the studio is is doing these more music. So how many um, of those do you do like a summer? Well, I probably do a total of let's say probably about starting in the spring. I'd do like one, and like two in June, and two in July, and maybe two in August, and then maybe I'll do one more, one or two more in September, October. But it averages about six or seven total because. Like, once again, it's not something that I, I like, live off of. Or, right. or like, you know, I, I, I do it and make sure, you know, everyone gets something. I'm doing I'm doing sound, so, you know, I pay myself something out of the the, the budget. But, um, you know, it's a lot to coordinate between, you know, bands. So, like, they always, like, that venue always, always telling me, like, you should do this every week. And I'm like, I can't. That's yeah. a full-time job. Like, you should do this every Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I was like, and it will be really hard to do. Yeah. You know, because I have a certain reach of bands and I have a certain reach of their friend, you know, their fans and my friends. And, and you know, it makes, especially the season is a big deal. You know, like right now, as it comes to the end of June, 
after Mermaid Parade in Coney Island, people really start showing up. But by the end of July, people are already done with summer. They're going off to other trips. August, it really starts to die down. The sun starts changing. And, yeah, I love the fact that I have, like, um, I grew up, I mean, I was born and raised in South Brooklyn. So for me, going into um, places like Lemoore's, like growing up and things like that, it, it was huge. So I kind of, like, want to keep, because North Brooklyn doesn't really need help with music. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many venues and so many places to play. But, like, South Brooklyn, it really doesn't have much. So I'm trying to keep that going by doing it there. But, you know, it's every year I never know if I'm doing it again this right. year. Until they're like, hey, you know, why don't you, um, why don't you book a few dates here? Yeah. You know, so, yeah, and it's been going consistently for over a decade. Yeah. Which is wild to me. <laughs> yeah. I've, and I've seen the, I remember the stage the first couple of years we did it. <laughs> Um, and I'm like, especially when I get into a certain mode, I'm a jumper. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. <laughs> and I remember the beginning, it's like, don't jump. And like, I, like, I just forget, like, I don't even realize, you know, and I forget, you know, that those instructions. And I remember my band was like kind of emotionally like, Alec, like, if you jump, I said, you can jump, but there's going to be repercussions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Yeah, that that state it was it was funny because they've slow, slowly like entrusted me with more and more to the point where it's it's you know it's great like I get bands you know drink tickets and I get them like you know you know what I can with the negotiating skills that I've learned over the years of not only you know going to shows but but working with bands like you want an incentive you want an incentive and the venue wants people to come and spend money on you know marked up alcohol and food so if you want them to show up like my simple business model is don't hit them at the door yeah. you know don't let them you know feel like oh they're already shelled out to even come in right like let them come in let them roam around and hang out for the day and maybe they'll order some food and get some drinks and that's really usually what it comes down to so, like, I pay the bands kind of like the old cabaret in the early jazz era. Like, you're paying your musicians to perform, you know? So, let's just allow this to be an outside Coney Island, like, um, festival. But as, like, the stage kind of came about was, was kind of like, oh, we really should elevate the drummer. And then it became, oh, well, what if we elevate the whole band? And then, like, there was one point where since the stage was sectional, I would come each time and it would be... Like some parts would be destroyed from the weather or some would just be like different sizes because someone like reassembled it because it got like, and then after Sandy, this like basically it took the stage and just threw it down Surf Avenue and cr- destroyed it. And, you know, they got hit pretty hard with, um, you know, with damage. And, and then, um, you know, it they, they switched from, it became steeplechase a little bit after Sandy, right? Um, right around about two years ago. So it, it still stayed for about two more years, uh, uh, under that um, Man, that was name a while ago too now that yeah. I, I think yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, and so basically um, now we pretty much have it, you know, pretty much locked down. We, we tried last year to to really put up a like a, a roof over the, the, the stage scenario, but Parks Department's just not having it. They're just like, nah. Like, it's too, a little too punk rock for them. They're like, you know, there's a whole bunch of permits and building things you have to have, and we're like, all right, we'll just take it down because... Like, it's more important that we, you know, not get in trouble with the city or the community board or anything like that. 
that we just be able to continue to just make music outside for free. And everyone, I love how everyone comes to me. It's like, it sounds so surprisingly good. I was like, yeah, because we're not like trapped in like a space. Yeah. You know, it's just outside. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what are you mainly up to these days outside of that? I mean, I know producing and do you have a, yeah. do you, you have a band too? Um, well, I, right now I'm filling in for two bands that I produce. Um, Vinny and the Hooligans, I play uh, drums in that. Um, and I also play bass in a band called Annika, which is a metal band. The other one's like a punk rock kind of uh, old rock and roll type band. And Annika's like more of a straight up metal band. And and, uh, and then I do um, a punk rock hardcore cover band called Cover Your Idols, which is uh, basically my idea, which was every year we kind of like do like some benefit shows, like we'll raise money for say like breast cancer, you know, awareness and, and, and research and, and, uh, multiple sclerosis, you know, research or, um, last year we did a thing for, um, you know, trips for people who were cancer survivors. And so we basically like set a goal of how much money we want to raise and do a few shows and play other people's songs, you know, like old minor threat songs, Ramon songs, misfit songs. And, um, you know, take the money that we either make at the door or from t-shirts or whatever. None of it goes back to us. We just put it right into the pool and then we just send off a check as a donation at the end of the year to whatever we've done for that year. So it's kind of like a, I feel like a, a, a healthy way of doing covers. You know what I mean? Not just like going into a bar and being like, I want to play covers and get paid. You know, it's just kind of like, we feel like we're kind of giving back towards songs that aren't ours to begin with you right know? and it's a non-traditional type kind of uh you know a genre to be doing covers of you know if you're doing like you know alternative rock from the 90s yeah i get it like people in a bar want to hear that mm. you know but if you're like really being playing some obnoxious punk songs and that you know only a select few who come and come you know you better have a reason for doing this yeah so it's cool it's just helped me with drumming wise like um expand into other you know players because um you know, as as my my full time career is is being a producer, and engineer in the studio. Um, sometimes it's easy for me to tell someone just to do it again, like and to not physically be aware that it's it's taxing. Yeah. You know, mentally, physically, um, you know, emotionally. Sometimes, like even your focus could just start to drift because I've done it, you know, so many times. So it's kind of good for me to keep playing and not kind of separate myself through the, the I would say the glass or behind the board you know and uh, and you know and have an outlet myself yeah you know so so I'm mainly really how I spend most of my time I play in these bands but they'll just like I'm gonna rehearse tonight like head over to like sweatshop and oh yeah rehearse over a battalion tomorrow night and like you know pumps um, that's where we oh yeah, practice when pumps, we yeah have you ever been to their rehearsal studio yes yeah uh, that's the only thing I've been to there. Yeah. I haven't been downstairs. So. Downstairs is interesting too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I found, because Sweatshop, so many, like it, it gets beat up like at Sweatshop, and there's, but there's so many rooms. Yeah. But for like our band, it's, you know, five people at least. Mm -hmm. um, we need the bigger rooms. Like it's, it definitely makes a difference. And Pumps, like the three rooms are all. Like, yeah, they're much larger, side. yes. And it's even the off the beaten path too, so it's, Battalion, um, 
also has medium sized rooms. Uh, the place I used to work at years ago, Fastlane, had like they had all four. They had a really large, and then a B, and a C, and a D, and they got smaller. And uh, you know that's where I got my start engineering wise because um, I would intern there when I was a teenager. Yeah, uh, actually. Uh, Met my fiance there. She was my congratulations. Ago. On that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we've been together forever, and she's like my best friend. But she doesn't want anything to do with the music world. Yeah, in a business sense, you know, I, I, I've been, you know, she's been by my side the entire time. I've been working from being, you know, an editor to an assistant engineer to an engineer to, you know, um, producing. Right now, I just produced, um, engineered uh, the new Sick of It All full length record, on. Um, uh, oh my God! Century Media, I believe, is the label, um, and it's being mixed right now by Two Madsen out in Denmark. Uh, he just did; he got a Grammy nomination for the Mashuga record he did, um, and he's an awesome, awesome guy to to work with. So chill, and uh, you know, there's just a lot of producers that I, I model my work after, and it's all about just being relaxed and just making music. You know, like we don't work yeah. in a hospital; it's no one's gonna die. That's super important. Um, I'm recently uh, started it's been happening over time but I'm getting more serious about it again but uh, with acting and so some mm. of the stuff you go to meetings with like casting directors and the number one thing and this this is true in everything but especially like in the arts the number one thing they say over and over again of course work on your craft and stuff like that Yeah. but the number one thing you can do to sabotage yourself is to be an asshole is to be like difficult to work with is to you know yeah so being cool being friendly being kind also goes a long long way you know i think i don't think that i'm a great engineer i don't think that i'm great at what i do i think i'm forever learning at what i'm doing on the engineer side and the producer side and musically growing and even like interpreting and helping the artist find what it is but like I think the majority of the reason why people even come to me or come back to me to work on stuff is because they enjoy the actual experience because I don't yell at you. Like, right. I'm not going to tell you that I'm right and you're wrong because it's just opinion. You know, it's, it's taste. It's, you know, your perspective on how you think it should go. And honestly, if you're hiring me, I'm supposed to make your vision, not my vision. So you're like, I will have a song and I want to bring this song to fruition. So it's, it's like part of your life it's partially like your baby it's your creation i gotta help you along with it making it a miserable experience just guarantees that you're not going to come back to me because like oh you know okay it sounded great but i hated what i did on that take and i hated how i felt that day and i hated why am i going to put myself through that again you know so and honestly it's like once again i i can't i I, I could understand if I was like yelling, if like someone was gonna die, like right. But like some of the, the parameters we set and the 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 release dates and the things are just things that we've decided on, and we're trying to coordinate. And sometimes life will get in the way, or something will not work. And so instead of freaking out, you know, let's just fix it and move on and do what we need to do. You know, so it's like. I feel like that creates more of um, a supportive um, like area for people to really get into the song and get into what they're trying to create rather than think about where is this going to go and what are we going to do with it. Because 
you know, when they're panicked, you know, worrying, like, is this even worth it? Am I even, why am I even spending money on this? No one's even buying music or no one, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to take this? What am I going to take this on tour? What am I going to stream this? What am I going to print this up? Like, you know, this, all those concerns go away and you're like, oh, you're just making a song. Yeah. You know, when it's, I feel like it's more in that relaxed atmosphere and you're not being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um speaking on that and we can go down this road or not this is up to you but um i know this you touched on it briefly earlier and i follow you on you know we're friends on facebook so i guess that's the other place we've you know haven't really had that many conversations on there either but um i i'm not sure where i'm at with it but um like probably a week or two before um this past show um for a number of reasons and it's been on my mind for a long mm. time um i bartend still but i think i might be done i might be done drinking and oh, i've taken yeah. breaks I know before that's like... but it just has gotten to a point where i just like when i've done it um this year like with taking breaks and kind of just overall trying to slow down every time i do it like i like it less and I mm. loathe myself more for doing it because for me, it's just to a point where, um, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's to a point where I know right now, like I have certain goals and it's just not, it's a thing that's not going to help me. No, I mean, I, I, I was actually just on, on a radio show, show earlier and we actually had talked about this, uh, quite a bit and and the fact that I thought that I could only really be creative when I was maybe drunk high or just in some sort of you know I don't know altered state altered state of of destruction and and ultimately I mean it I haven't you know drank or done anything in the past nine years um and it wasn't because it wasn't fun because it was fun for a long time yeah. and it was great and it did help you know, social lubricant to get, it became, um, you know, very, very, a full-time job basically for me. I mean, I was just drinking like nonstop, like I said, living by the bar and getting paid in drinks and things like that. But it wasn't until it, um, it turned to like depression and misery and it was inhibiting and I, I stopped doing the things I wanted to do and started only talking about them. You know, over yeah. on a bar stool. I mean, like yeah. one day I'm gonna go. I turned down like huge gigs. Like, yeah. When I was like the end of my at the end of my drinking, I turned down like going on tour, like and being in bands that became huge bands and huge tours. And I couldn't pull myself away from the small microcosm I had created because I was like, oh, you know, I might maybe I'll go off the deep end if I do that, or maybe if I'm I'll fail and I'll come back and I'll be like, you know, a failure or, or, or I was afraid to succeed or I'm, I'm fine right here. I'm fine right here. I have everything I need, which was just, you know, like getting paid in alcohol. So when I got to enough pain and misery though, that's when I think that I, I realized I was like, I don't want to be miserable anymore. I want to be, I didn't know if I was capable of being happy without, without it, but I, I knew that some change had to happen. And I thought that the drinking was my problem, but it turns out that that drinking was really my kind of solution to whenever I felt weird about anything. Like, if I was depressed, I drank. If I was bored, I drank. If I was heartbroken, if I was excited, if I was happy, you know, it was a great occasion, I drank, you know. 
So I poured it on everything, and then it just got to a point where I just, I, it was not only impeding, but I would, I would drink and I'd just black out and then come out of it, and I'd be like, I feel terrible. And yeah. Now I'm ignoring my life. Now I'm ignoring my responsibilities. Now I'm ignoring this, and and uh, I felt physically terrible. And yeah. I don't know if you've seen, we were talking about it earlier, but uh, I directed this music video last year with the artist Christina Rubino called Down to the Sea. And uh, we came up with this whole song and we were making this, this, this album. And then after the album's done, we were supposed to release it on a date and we changed the date of release. And we were like, well, we were going to announce this, this date as being something special. What are we going to do? She's like, let's make a music video. And I think I might have said that. I was like, I had this idea. She was like, well, yeah, why don't you direct it? And I was like, I've never directed a music video. And uh, and she gave me the opportunity to do it, which ended up in like the Coney Island Film Festival last year. But it ended up being a a, con- a stark contrast, and I didn't realize it until I got the edit back from my my um, DOP that it was like, oh, this is the end of my drinking. This is when I was really depressed, and this is when I actually asked for help, and this is my life after. Like it just became this kind of like. I used like the a contrast of the polar bear club in, in the video, and um, that I used to just walk along the boardwalk in Coney Island, like really miserable. And the shows that I would do back before you met me, like I would be blackout drunk at the show by like five, six o'clock. And so who knows how the show was running? Bands, you know, didn't get to play sometimes. Like, you know, I'm like whatever. You know, we're here, we're hanging out, good time. Here's some drinks instead. You know. Now, so it really wasn't about the music for me. It was like half and half more about the alcohol time. So now I can make it about what I want to do. I go out with the intention of I'm going to go hang out today and have a good time. And I'm not going to, you know, owe any apologies tomorrow. And I'm going to do the thing. So I can actually do a show and then book the studio the next day because right. I actually and <laughs> feel okay. I can show up to life. Yeah, that's that's like I think a a breaking point for me of like mm-hmm. there are things that I have to do the next day some a lot of times earlier and it's like even if they are later in the day it's like you know what I mean because I think there's also a point where you can get to with that where and it's not like like, like over the past year I haven't in generally been drinking heavily mm-hmm. with exceptions because it's like for me I find or I've found like in my life, like over time, once you've gone heavier, like it's easier to do that. Even if it's not all the time, it's just yeah. easier to. That was, I was like a binge guy. I wasn't, I, I thought that like, if you had a problem with drinking, you were drinking at 6am and you were, you know, drinking every day or drinking alone. I, I, those are things I didn't actually do. I just went on benders that were just completely obliterated, dangerous, you know, yeah. and got myself to a place where there was no turning back. There was no normal, oh, I have, you know, drink after work and then I go home. You know, I just, once I started drinking, that was it. That's all I was doing. Yeah. And I was, you know, going off on a tear. And then I would try and control it and say, okay, I have to stop at that. But then as the years pass, the time in between those would get shorter and shorter. Yeah. And then it became a daily struggle. And, you know, and like, honestly, like ask, going and getting help was like the best thing ever for me because since then... Not only have I been able to creatively look at myself, but be more, have more empathy for the people around me, a lot more compassion for what people are going through, especially artists when they're coming to me with, you know, some personal things. I can, you know, squarely look at my things where I used to just 
stuff it away, you know, stuff it down by just kind of drinking and living this kind of um, perpetual misery for me. Because like I said, it was fun, but then it was like fun with problems and then it was just problems. Yeah. So like, you know, if someone thinks that, you know, like their life can't be a success or creative or fun in like sobriety, I can tell you that that's not true. I believe that in the beginning, I was like, how am I ever going to do all these things without it? It's by far so much better. And there's, and there's also tons of people who've like experienced both and then made that decision. And usually like, usually there's some improvements that happen in your life. Like when you go in that other direction, like, you know, like I I did not, I, here's the, the strange thing is like, the end of my like depression of, of drinking was the presidential election leading up to 2008. So 2007 is the end of kind of like the last hurrah in 2008. I just, I don't even remember that year. And it's just one big blackout and it's mainly a blackout meaning like I'm laying on the couch and I'm just watching news cycles over and over yeah. not going outside. And if I do go outside, it's probably to drink because I can't really handle anything that's, you know, I mean, fear and like, and, and it was just ruled my life and the, you know, the depression and we, you know, there's a lot of talk recently in the past few years about suicide. Yeah. Suicide was apparent and it was like my head would think about what a relief it would be as if I would not be dead. Like there'd be some sort of experience after it. Right. And, um, so it was manufacturing this like, as someone who didn't even believe in an afterlife, like it was manufacturing this, this, you know, false idea of relief. And, um, and then the, here's this, this, this future president coming up saying change, change. And I was like, change doesn't happen. Change doesn't happen. You know, until I honestly took the action to initiate change, to find people who, you know, who needed, who had been in the same problem. And, and, you know, there's so much help out there. It doesn't matter what you struggle with. I've, I've found that there is com- the word like recovery can appeal to someone who's overeating and just can't like leave their house or, you know, to the clinically depressed, to, you know, the addict, to the alcoholic, to the sex, sex addict, you know, it could be people who just, it's like, it's my solution to how I feel. And I feel maladjusted to life. I feel, you know, irritable discontent with everything that's around me and I just this is my escape for even if it's just for a moment a moment of escape uh, you know it becomes this obsession and like how do we get back from that and you know there's plenty of people out there. you think you have an ailment trust me you're not terminally unique you know there are other people who have been through it and probably worse and they can show you what they've done to kind of change and um when I saw that change was possible, I thought people, you either liked me or you weren't, and you died like people like me or you didn't. And I can see like, oh, I'm eligible too. I like to have a, like a normal life, you know? And, and that wasn't something I envisioned for myself. It wasn't something that I thought uh, in all my delusions of grandeur of drinking that would be possible. I just kind of reserved to myself to being dead by somewhere in my early 30s, yeah. you know? It's like... But that's a very, you know, I can, I can reference that now, you know, but it's a very dark place to be when you're in there. It's terrifying, 
you know, and it's, it, but it's also a terrific motivator. It's like, wow, what am I doing? What am I really doing right now? You know, I used to really think that that word wasted was such a proud word. Mm -hmm. And then like, it hit me in like a few years and like, I wasted, I was wasted. I it's, wasted the day. I didn't really yeah, didn't get anything that's, done. I think but, now, you know, that you mention it, like when I think of the word wasted, I think wasted potential. And yeah. that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and that's, like, I was uh, present, but I wasn't making much sense. Mm -hmm. Like you, maybe you're laughing at something I did at the party, maybe something, uh, maybe, you know, I took my pants off with something, you know, which I'm quite known for, which I did in my show the other night, by the way, when uncle Giuseppe was playing, they, they were like, take your pants off. I was like, sure, no problem. Just do that all the time here. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, the wasted aspect was like, sure. If you can enjoy drinking and it's a recreational aspect for you, Go right ahead. Yeah. My problem was is that it no longer became recreational. It became of like a full time job and an inconvenience to the things I wanted to do. So I was just wasting every single day. Because it wasn't even like I wanted to drink. I just that's all I knew to do at some at some point. And it just like, hmm. You know, and um if that's what you want to do, you're free to do it. I mean, I know that's what I wanted to do. I did not expect, I did not plan. On it going bad for me, I did not plan on saying, oh, well, I'm going to get to this age. And, but when I have the aha moment, it's kind of like cigarettes. I had the same thing with the cigarettes. I, I woke up one day and I just went, ah, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, and that was paramount into me, like, putting it down and saying, I don't have to. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's all journey. You know, everyone has their own journey. If you have that, that feeling of, like, I really don't, want this in my life anymore I mean I always say embrace it you yeah because you have no idea what, what it'll, it'll lead to you know and usually probably better things though. yeah <laughs> well I think yeah when you start to act, like realize you don't want something that probably is destructive you start to like at some point you'll start to really ask yourself what you do want and then mm -hmm. that's that's really you know what you should be focused on anyway like but you have to have the space to to be able to ask yourself honestly what you want while while you're here yeah for me i mean there was a point where i felt like it had stunted my maturity and that was where i think the the real discomfort came from is that i was petrally living like this man boy that um i wanted more out of my life but the old things that made me happy when i was like a kid a teenager uh, I wanted them to stay like that, but they weren't making me as happy anymore. And I wasn't feeling fulfillment in them. And, and so, but yet I was still perpetuating the same behaviors, the same cycles. And I just, and I, I found myself falling more and more like, what's the point? Because there was no catharsis. There was no change. There was no, you know, um, maturity. There was no level, next level. It was just stagnant, you know, yeah. and being stagnant, it can just, be torture and so when um I, I started like trying these new things and these new practices in my my daily life and these new positive you know um you know aspects and then surrounding myself with people who like-minded people i started to feel like oh wow wait a minute i'm gonna do this this time instead of that and that manifested into me acting 
more like I feel like the man and the professional that I wanted to be. And then people being like, wow, that was really good. And I was like, wow, you know, I, I do feel good about that. I do like what I just accomplished. I, 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 I not, wasn't wasted. I was, you know, and I'm going to, I want to try this other thing. And then like the self-esteem started kind of coming back and like, I mean, that, that same artist, Christina Rubino, we, we were just talking about a year ago, we had um, shown her music video directed by uh, Frankie Nasso at the Hollywood, uh, the Chinese theater in Hollywood. Um, and it wasn't even our intention to do that. We, we, me and her, you know, we used to drink as teenagers in, in the Batcave in Manhattan, you know, in the 90s. And, and now she came to me like with this acoustic song. And next thing you know, we're putting all this instrument, instrumentation. Then it becomes this mini movie video that goes viral and then ends up in this Dances with Films festival. And we're going out to LA and we're like, how did we do this? And it's just like, oh, because we're not disasters like we used to. Yeah. We actually made it not about like... The, the music surrounding the party, it just became, the music became the party and, and it's like, we made this video we're very proud of and now we're getting invited and, and it's being shown and we're hanging out and, and like I literally was like looking at the pictures because they're doing the Dances with Films this year. Again, they do it annually, it's like, I don't know, like the 25th anniversary or 22nd, something like that, um, maybe even more. But um, we had a great time and I remember all of it. And yeah. that for me is like, such a um such an empowering reason to continue along with and not be like oh you know maybe i wasn't so bad yeah it's like there's a lot to it you know there's a lot to it and it's amazing it's it's simple but it's amazing what you can do when you do things yeah yeah when when you get out of your own way what yeah. it really comes down to is like like i said like the drinking was just like a way of me just kind of dealing with what I couldn't deal with. Mm. Like, it's no, I still have the same head on my shoulders, the same terrible, sometimes I wake up in the same funk. I sometimes like, you know, there's, there's, it isn't like, oh, I put down a drink and all of a sudden my, my problems went away. No, I am here with me and, you know, I can be my worst critic. I can think, uh, what are you even doing with your life? Like, I've, recently, like, I've been working so hard on so much music. I feel kind of like a creatively tapped, but I'm, I'm, I'm pushing through because I'm not sure if it's that I'm, I'm tapped or if I'm just feeling like um, a bit overworked, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm going to take a vacation for a few days this weekend and see how I feel after that. Instead Ooh, of, where are you going to go? Uh, me and the girl are going to go up to uh, um, the beach nice. and just kind of just, you know, yeah, you know, tuck, tuck away the, you know, the laptop and the, the, the editing and the mixing and just, you know, just chill. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and spend time together and, and not, you know, be obsessed with all the things that have to get done, yeah. you know, and because and, I don't really, when I say like, go away, like go to me, like I never off the clock, you know what I mean? Yeah. Being my own business and my own career. It's like emails coming last night. I sent off a song at like 3 a.m. Yeah. Like I'm listening to like one of your podcast episodes and I was like, Oh, is it, this is a cool thing. And then, and then all of a sudden an email comes in. It's like, Oh, can you get that song to this one? And blah, blah, blah. They're recording it this weekend. And next thing you know, I'm sending off files. So I'm going to unplug, you know, for yeah. the weekend and really just be like, you know, re, re refuel in a yeah. way. Because if, if I overwork myself, like, or if I, then I will once again block myself off because I will just be like, 
you're running on empty. You're you're not going to do good work if you're, you know, not feeling inspired. Not not feeling inspired, but if you're not able to give it the attention to detail because you're just, you know, going through the motions. Yeah. You know. So. You know, I mean, I, I really think that it majority of things manifest through what's going on in our head and, and personal blockage, and and we find different ways to kind of distract and and stop us from you know, achieving goals, whether it be, you know, a family goal or a career goal or a physical goal, you know, it's just like, no, I can't do that because I have this to do. And yeah. this makes me, gives me way more of an instant, you know, better feeling than that thing, which may be a long, that's, I mean, that's the thing with the drinking. That's the trick. It's like, it's way easier to, mm-hmm. and I've been I, like, I know what it is for myself when I do drink the thing about it. It is self-medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not what I want to be as a person, but what it does is it like instantly numbs me and lets me forget about, forget about those mm-hmm. things that I know I really should be doing. Yep. Um, and then, and it makes it okay to forget about those. Things. Yeah, it makes it totally fine. Yeah, yeah, it's like until yeah. the next morning when you still have all and those then, things that yeah. you haven't done. You know? That's the thing that I don't wake up in sobriety wishing I had drank the night before. Right, that never happens. Like I, I definitely have woken up and been like, oh, what did I just do? Like I just now and like I, I called out or now I didn't show up to something or, or you know, and it's just like why did I do that? And it's just like oh because. It, that became the most important thing to me then. And yeah. and now I'm not, you know, able to show up or I couldn't, you know. Yeah. And my, my priorities on, on change sometimes. Like, you know, when, when I'm drinking, it's like, oh, no, this is what I really should be doing. Oh, who cares about that? Right. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's not going to yield any results anyway. You know, the great defeatist aspect of it. Yeah. You know, and just like, and yet, you know, I've, I've, it you know give me a sense of ease and comfort. That's what it did. Like, yeah. It, 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 like I put it in, I get an immediate. When I put my energy and my time into something that is, you know, the stakes are higher. I have to say, where you know, like, oh, I'm gonna create the say, say the music video. I'm gonna film this music video, and I don't know if it's gonna be good. You know, where people are gonna say this is horrible, and it's gonna be a reflection. Will I have failed? Am I actually even gonna get it completed? You know, there's no guarantee. The guarantee at the end of a blunt or a, or, a, or a bottle of whiskey, there's a guarantee. You know, it's funny too, because that that fear, just in general, like even without the, um, even without drinking, um, a lot of people don't do things because of they're afraid of how it's going to turn out. And it's like, you don't know how it's going to turn out actually. But I guarantee, like even if you do something and it doesn't quite work out mm-hmm. that's there's still a lesson there you still learn something and you still completed mm-hmm. something yes um so it to fruition you know like it's that's better than not even trying like you know what i mean because if it does if something weren't to work out then either you know hmm i know what i need to work on mm-hmm. if i want to do this again or i I'm glad I did that because I never want like that's just not something I want to do. That's why even in my career I'm constantly learning because I should remain teachable because the way that things get done changes. You know, the artist I work with changes, the song changes. So why would I stick to the same old thing? So it means if I'm learning, it means I'm gonna I'm gonna 
fail and not do the greatest. Oh, I'm trying this new thing. Did it work? Okay, it's cool. Um, I can go back to my old way or I can try this new way. But either way, like, not everything is going to be the success sometimes that I think it's going to be. It's not going to... And, I, and that's the thing I, I told my friend's kids recently. I was like, um, don't wait for the applause. You know? Don't sit there and work on your big one thing and then say, well, this is the thing. Right. Just put it, do it, put it out there, and move on to the next thing. Yeah. And move on to the next thing. And it's like, just keep creating because that's really where um you don't know what the one thing like you don't know and they may first never of all there's the not going to be a one thing but you're going to feel great about yeah. the things that you're creating and you're going to hear things and be like oh and, and then you hear back and they'll be like oh that's why that that wasn't cuz that was you know I was still finding my way in in this and and that area and this arena and and uh but I think a lot of the, the hardest thing to overcome is not even finishing it's getting started yeah I think getting started is something that people, by not getting started, you have taken on the power of failure. You've yeah. decided already that it's not going to work. So at least you were in charge. Something very vulnerable about getting started, finishing, putting it out there and failing. Because then it wasn't really up to you. It yeah. was, it's, it's, you, you feel like um, you rejected in the world. People, you know, you talk shit about online or put horrible quotes or whatever it is. The important thing is, is it's, it didn't change that you completed it, that yeah. you did it, you know, and you just try again. But if you never get started, you, you 100%, you know, you, you have a zero, um, 100% failure rate, you know? I don't, but, I don't really, uh, like well, you put miss much stock 100% into... of the shots you don't take. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I don't put, I'm I'm not a like believer in hell really, but mm -hmm. I do. I, well, it's complicated. Like I have a complicated perception on it. I do think of it theoretically. I heard one quote: "Hell is seeing the person who took all those shots that you could have." Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. So absolutely. that's and it's, again, I say that. Like I say that to like not say look back on your life. You can't go back, but right now. Do the things. That's what mm -hmm. I. That's what I'm. You know, would say to anybody and to myself. I'm saying that there's so many um, su successful people, as we call them. You know, successful, meaning they're like I. I. They're like I had no idea. I just kept doing it. I kept showing up. You yeah. Know, like I, like Morgan Freeman talks about. It. That's like, I've half failed so many times. He's like I've failed, and even some people you your success you'd be like i failed at it I did, that was a horrible job i did a horrible job at that but yet people connect with it like you don't know what it is that you're going to bear that other people are going to connect and what other people are going to deem you know worthy of being good or great but you like don't even worry wait for that like some just, of the most uh, beloved movies of all time were box office failures when they first came out. You know, yeah. like it's like who cares? don't even stop waiting for that. Like, yeah, just push out. And I, honestly, the strange thing about thing about it, the internet world, and even like what you were saying about um, the last podcast about uh, people telling you about doing two episodes, like or doing, yeah, it's just like what a, the pushing out amount of content is great. That's what people want. Yeah, like. Like and live for now and work on this now and then do the next the next one the next thing and keep doing it and get better at it. Yep. You know, and it's just like because you have a limited amount of time. Yeah. Put it out. So 
we don't know what that limited amount of time is, so why put all your efforts into one thing and then wait for the applause? Just, you know, keep creating for you. Keep creating for, um, you know, whoever may connect with it. You don't know who's going to connect with what you come out with. You yeah. can't plan that. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's not... If it's just for you, then sit home and make your art. Don't show it to anyone. Don't tell anyone you're an artist or a musician or a writer. Do it for you. Don't share it. That's fine. But if you really want to feel the true amazing aspect of that creative process, allow people to give their interpretation of it. When they look at it, when they hear it, when they read it, allow them to comment on it. And not everything you hear is going to be great. Right. You know, some of them, they're going to be like, well, I didn't really like that you did that. It's like, whatever. It didn't connect you because maybe you're in a place or maybe you just, that's not your taste, you know? But if you put it out there, you, you find out more about yourself through allowing other people to say like, oh, that's what I saw in it. And be like, wow, I didn't think of it that way. And yeah, that definitely is. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, like I sent back that music video. I didn't realize like, oh, this character is me. Yeah. Oh, jeez, no wonder why I had a whole storyline because it's just basically what happened to me. Yeah. You know? And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't, you know, had it pushed, put back to me, put forth like, oh, here, here's your finished thing, you know? So where's the best place for people to find you um, if they want to see your work or if they wanted to record with you or maybe uh, I mean, they want me to produce another music video, you know, whatever the, the, it is. I, I'm working on like um, a website that's just my name scenario. Um, but basically, if you put the in front of Jerry Farley on anything, yeah. you're basically going to find me. So Twitter or Instagram or any of the social media things or even my email, like a Gmail. It's like the Jerry Farley and which getting, uh, social are you on more? Um, I feel like the like like the Twitter thing is just it's it's Twitter is just so like bizarre to me in a, me too. In a world. I think just Twitter is just a constant like n- never ending argument. But I I basically keep my Twitter solely to recording. Yeah, like it's just you know, and it gets whatever action it gets and. My Instagram is kind of a look into the studio life and my live shows and my personal life a little bit, you know, and it's just kind of like, which I think the two connect. My, my, my personal life is not mutually exclusive to my career because I've actually become friends with a lot of my artists, yeah. you know, because we get onto a personal level. And then, um, you know, all the other things like the, you know, the Facebook I keep private because it's just like, you know, Facebook could be that another place for the arguments and things like that. And I just, I like to try and, bring kind of positivity yeah. out into what I bring out. I don't go on to these things and bitch and moan about say the MTA or something. Like I'm just going to sit there and be like, maybe something that I'm pondering, I'm questioning about myself. will be on something like that. But you know, when I meet people, they're like, how do I contact you? I'm like, well, take my cell phone number and send me a text or a call and, or email me. And the email, you know, is the Jerry Farley at gmail.com. And it's just like, that's just, how I, you know, and then I'll send you files or you send you a link to whatever. Oh, what video, what albums have you done? And I'm like, well, here's a few that kind of sound like your band, you know, or here's the quality you can hear. And here's, you know, and, and then I, you know, it's, I usually sit down with bands and do pre-production and do budgets and, and just figure out like, oh, what is it you envision? Like a contractor, you know, and they're, they're like, oh, you know, I have this much money and I want to do this. Okay, well, this is what you can and can't do. Right. This is what you should do in a studio. This is what you shouldn't do. You know, or I want to do this big thing. And I'm like, okay, you know. And I take it from there with them. You know, it's, 
it's, it's strange that I've been able to, I, I'm truly grateful that in New York City, I've been able to have a career based on my reputation. Like it really isn't any type of like, just like, oh, I get hits from here. Right. And that's what sends me business. And ultimately, like the more people I've, I'm talking to on here, most people say that's what it, no matter where they're at, like I talked to a couple of uh, like Lincoln Center jazz guys mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah, word of mouth really is what it comes down to. Yeah. You know? like, 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 sure, people can see and they, like you have a glimpse into my life, but the glimpse into my life, and, and we all know this about, you know, any type of social media is what I want to present to the world. Yeah. You know, some people involuntarily present things. They're like, they really probably shouldn't. And some people voluntarily present things. And it, it creates a certain... Um, false you know, perception. False perception. People. But I try and like look at mine and say, this isn't a false perception. This is, I'm, A, yes, promoting aspects of it. So I'm promoting what it's like to be in the studio, like doing vocals today and blah, blah, blah. You know, um, but I'm also allowing people to see what my day-to-day is. You know, and, and I don't do it every day. And, but, you know, because social media gives you a time suck. Like, you'd be at work and all of a sudden I'm like scrolling through my phone and it's 40 minutes later and it's like, what did I just do? Yeah. Like, I should have been working on that. Like, so, you know, it's its own say, drug. Yeah, it's its own thing. So, basically, it's like, um, I like honesty in my business and honesty in my music. And, and so, I'm not writing anything that isn't coming from somewhere someone is truly talking about a feeling I don't like filler I don't like making up stories to my artists and lying about things I'm just like okay if I'm late I was late because I poorly planned you know or that part that I had an idea for I don't think it's good anymore now that I hear it it's not good and they'll be like really I mean it was your idea you would I was like it's yeah it doesn't matter it's honestly it's just not a good idea (laughs) you know let's not do it and you know so what I try and do on that type of platform, even when like, you know, whether responding to an email or a direct message is to keep it honest. It's way, way easier to keep track. And that sound, I've heard of a concept, uh, extreme accountability. Um, that's what that <laughs> sounds like too. That's great. <laughs> I'd like to learn how to do that. That's this guy, Jocko Willick. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, he's like a, he was a Navy SEAL guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of, puts out like he has a podcast but he also puts out like audio books on hmm. kind of like if you if you're trying to get your life together he's I coming could probably from benefit from this <laughs> I, I, I certainly can i'm all over the place sometimes um, like, but it sounds like you're on like some of those concepts like that's one of the main ones he talks about is extreme accountability like um and that and that i think helps with working with people like if you take responsibility and ownership Maybe it's like extreme accountability and extreme ownership, I think. Mm-hmm. So if you take ownership for yourself and don't make excuses and if things come up like are honest about them, it just... Well, that's what I did when better. I was, was drinking. Like, a, like a, you know, I have to come up with a story yeah. as to why I just, you know, slept the day through because I was, you know, celebrating the thing I didn't do yet, you know? So I look yeah. at that and I go, well, that's not who I want to be anymore. And it, it was a lot of work to you know, to discard that, you know, reputation. Um, and so whenever I see it crop up and it, it's, you know, usually manifest in some sort of like little, like laziness or, or self-doubt or self-pity or self-loathing or something that's going to just say like, no, you, sh- you shouldn't. I just, 
you know, I try and, you know, like, you know, take some sort of action. Yeah. Like contrary action. Yep. You know, a lot of my friends tell me like, like do the contrary action. Oh, like I don't want to go do all these things. So what? Do it anyway. And you show up like, wow, this isn't what I expected. This is way better. Yeah. You know, and even if it isn't great, it'll be over soon. Like, you know, and, and instead of just, you know, making up an excuse because I'm picturing that it's not going to go the way I envision it. And because I'm envisioning it not going that way, I'm not going to, you know, so why even? And the more that? you can do those opposite actions, I think the more you can habituate yourself like positively, like just like you, you can develop negative habits when you have those little mini battles and you fight through and do it anyway, the more you do it, like the easier, it's never easy. Like you still have to have those battles every single time. Mm -hmm. But if you habituate that you're not going to like give yourself excuses, then you're more likely to not let yeah. those excuses like win, you know? Um, there was a book I read um, last year that my, one of my, my close friends, Cato, uh, who had uh, passed away recently, he told me to read the war of art yes and and I had, I, i've started that one but yeah i had it right i had it and i had it and i had it in my bookshelf but i won't lie i have tons of books i've never read oh yeah you know and they make great diffusers in the studio by the way um <laughs> they, they really do but i had this on the shop and he's like you really really need to and then when i hit this like real uh question mark not that anything changed in my my physical realm of of Work-wise, work was still happening, but my mind was like, "What are you even doing with your life?" Like, I was like, "I need to do, I need to like." I, I realized it was a point where I needed to adapt something new. I needed to learn something in order to move forward. I needed to to expand in some area, and I didn't know where. So I was like, "I should read this book," and I started reading it, and I read a few pieces, and I was like, oh, "I'm going to put it down." And then I went, and do what? Do what, Jerry? You have nothing else planned today, and you have no motivation to do anything else. There were things I could have done, but there was no motivation. It was like, why don't you keep reading the book? And I read that whole book in one day, and I've never read, read it's not a heavy read, but I've never read an entire book in my entire life. But it made so much sense, and it had to do with, you know, basically saying like, oh, when does inspiration strike? Strikes every morning at 10 a.m. when I sit down in front of my workspace. And, you know, it doesn't mean that all of it's going to be good, but it means that I'm... Making it happen. Yeah, it's yeah. like... Um, I, f I forget how he words it, what he calls it. The, basically, the lie we tell ourselves is he, he has a specific way of... Well, you should read the book, you know, if, if you're thinking that this might I know he you. talks about resistance also. Resistance, like, yeah. that's it, the resistance. And the resistance comes from the self-doubt. and the, yeah. my, You know, and all the the what if questions of the future based on, you know, the fearing the future based on like what I haven't done in the past, you know, like instead of just looking like here's another opportunity in this moment, you know, and uh, maybe it won't be great. Maybe you'll throw it away. Maybe you'll crump it up as a writer, you know, cause he's talking about being a writer, you crumple up and throw it away. But either way, just write, like, write and like, you know, and, and um, you know, for me like that, that, that one helped. Like, that one helped a lot. Like, it helped um, move me in a different direction and at least kind of, like, say, oh, you know, this is something I should apply to um, my everyday if I want to keep on doing something as a career that is creatively, yeah, you know, 
you know, taxing. <laughs> yep. Well, I think that's a pretty good little pen. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Or any? No, I, I definitely want to say thank you for having me uh, on on this podcast and on the show. And you know, it's awesome to see you doing that and enjoying it. You know, and and uh, you know, I hope it grows. You know, and I hope it becomes even more and more. You know, uh, that your listeners get as much out of it as you do. You know what I mean? Because I know that, like, when you do intimate, I've done honestly in the past few months, I've done like a bunch of podcasts, and it makes me feel like I'm doing something right somewhere. If people like are willing to talk to me about what the hell I'm doing in my life, so if you're even listening to this, thank you because you encourage me to like continue on. Because um, yeah, I have you know we all have that self doubt. Like, well, like I said, like, what am I doing? It's like, oh wait, someone's interested in something that I'm doing. That's really that's that's a really amazing thing you know and i feel like that's what brings me the most joy in life right now is that human connection with people who like um either identifying with something or just liking something and being like wow you know that meant something to me because that's the reason why i got into it i saw artists musicians painters writers whatever and i was like that what you just made just speaks to me and i want to do it too you know i want to have that kind of you know human interaction so Thank you for having me on. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool, man. So that was my conversation with Jerry Farley. The Jerry Farley. And he has another show coming up on July 14th at the Steeplechase Beer Garden. It's outside on Surf Ave at Coney Island, right kind of connected to the Cyclone Stadium. Um, and that's the place where uh, my band, I'm the, I am the Third, performs every year, uh, thanks to Jerry Farley, the Jerry Farley. Um, and if you're wondering why he was saying, ah, yeah, um, that's a song me and my band do called Can You Feel It? Can you feel it? I hope you can. I hope you can feel whatever it is you're doing. I hope you're feeling the podcast. I hope you, you were feeling that conversation. Uh, if you were, please give a rating subscribe review and a share um the link to jerry's instagram um will be on the show notes page for this as are all the others and you can find those at bushwickvarietyshow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts thank you very much for listening to this show have a great week have a happy fourth of july and be safe and i'll talk to you soon take care Peace.